Hi, this is Libby. And this is Roberta. And this is Art Blog Radio. Uh, today we're speaking with Celestine Wilson-Hughes. She's at her 40th Street Artist-in-Residency Studio in West Philadelphia. It's also known as 40th Street AIR. Her works are freestanding collages of cut glass, metals, and other objects like beads and sometimes small figures. Her subject is the celebration of nature and community, and especially a celebration of women's undervalued inner strength and women's bodies. So, Celestine, this is the first time you've had a studio outside your house, um, and here you have big windows that show your pieces with natural light coming through. Tell us a little about your studio at home. Well, you know, one of the one things about my studio at home is that it's in my basement. And if you know anything about basements, most of them do not have a lot of light. Having this space just flooded with light is just amazing to me. It's an amazing feeling. So has this changed the way that you're making the work? I'm not going to say that it's changed the way that I'm making the work. Um, I don't work with a light table. Most glass artists work with light tables. I do not. So that in itself is an experience that I'm, I'm always looking for the surprise of seeing what I'm visualizing and how it really looks when I bring it up and actually it hits the light. So let's step back a little bit and ask you how you discovered glass. What, what was your, your big experience with glass that made you into a glass artist? Well, um, it's about my girlfriend, Gail. Gail um, is a very good friend of mine. We're best friends. And she decided that um, she saw this, this advertisement or something for a stained glass class. And so we went there. And when I walked in the door, this is no... I, I, I'm not kidding. When I walked into that door and I saw the colors of the glass, I knew I was hooked. I knew it. Just, I didn't want to. I, I didn't want to make windows, but but I made a little boat. <laughs> Everybody makes that that little boat, okay? And after that, it was like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know this is it. I know this is it. So um, it started from there. I was in my late 40s. So had you, late 40s. had you made art before that? Did you feel you were an I, artist I, before that? No, I never called myself an artist. Never, never, never. Okay, because I used to do vending. I would make earrings. I would paint on shirts. But then one day I bought a saw. <laughs> Honestly, this saw, I was out in the yard early on Saturday mornings with this, all this noise, and I start cutting wood. And I mean, I was really handling myself, you know? I felt like a real woman. Okay, so this must have been like a, a cross cut? It was a, it was a band saw. It was a enormous. And the neighbors would come and look out the window and I would go, Yeah, it's me. (laughs) I mean, I really felt this sense of elation. Uh, and, And so then I started painting on these and making little collagial things on them. And I took them to a vending 
venue. And this guy walked up to my table and he was like, wow, who did this? And I had this moment where I wanted to turn around and go, who is he talking to? <laughs> thank you, thank you. So he bought five pieces. That was the first time I actually started thinking that I could call myself an artist. Let's talk about your day job, because in addition to being an artist... I love my day job. Tell us what you do. I'm a school bus driver for um, a, a West Philadelphia Middle School. Public school? Public school here in Philadelphia. I love my children. Um, I believe that as, uh, as an adult, as a parent, as a grandmother now, uh, as someone who really cares, I believe that children, the first person they meet after they leave their home is me. When they get on that bus, I'm the first person they're meeting before they go into school. I owe them the best of me. And I really mean that in all sincerity. I owe them the very best. Now, in saying what I believe I owe them, I believe they owe me. I believe that they owe me res respect. And I believe that they owe me um, to listen to what I have to say to them because I feel like I have their best interests while they're on my bus. So that, that seems to work well. I get to know all their names. They get to say my name correctly. Um, they get to tell me where they live, their address, their telephone number. If they do not know it, I make them get it and to you know get that information and that they should know it and they should be able to say it whenever they're asked. You know, so there's, there's like a, a little contract. There are school grades and whatnot. You can't get on my bus and, and talk about an F that you got and think it's just going to lay flat there and it's, you're going to be happy about it. It's not happening. I expect them to do well. Just lately, <clears throat> I stopped and talked with a parent. I told the kid that I was going to knock on his door and ask his mom how he did in school. And he didn't believe me, so I stopped the bus knocked on the door, I asked her to come out, and she's like, wow, no one has ever asked that before. I said, well, this, I'm serious. I know he, he said that he got an F. She said, no, he didn't. He got three A's, a B, and a C. So I said, oh, we have to work on that C. But the rest of those grades are great. <laughs> and the children, they know I expect greatness from them. But this is one of my most important jobs that I really, really love. Great. Do they know you're an artist? The, the they, they do. And, and, you know, I love to be able to bring them here. Uh, one of the problems, though, is that, um, you know, I don't really get to be able to determine that I can just bring them here. But um, it's just to share, like when I had open studio tour, I, again, tried to put that out to the parents, you know, if they would bring the children. I only had one person show. Oh, and did other people come by here? Um, from where? From anywhere. Oh, oh, my goodness. I really had a wonderful turnout. Both days, because that Saturday, the first Saturday, the, the sun was shining 
and the glass was just, you know, um, doing its thing. It was telling its own story. I didn't have to say anything. People were actually sending people from word of mouth to come to the studio. That's a great feeling. That's a great feeling. You know, you really couldn't ask for more. So could you tell us where else you've shown your work? I've shown my work at um, the African American Museum of Art, the Woodmere Museum, in different galleries here in Philadelphia. Um, but basically, Philadelphia is where I've been showing. So do you have a, like a kitchen cabinet that comes in and looks over your shoulder and says, oh, what about this, or try that color over there, critiquing, or just critiquing? The, the yeah. critiquing, no. Actually, we've talked about that among, among my artist friends, and many of them do not believe in that critique. Uh, I think I would like it to a point. The critique has to be not so much where you can use color someplace else as to what's the purpose of your critique. What, what is it that you'd like to see that work do that it's not doing? And, and, and because I've never gone to art school and I hear where they break a student down and really you know, wear them out to try and get them to a certain point, I don't know if I'd be comfortable with that. Well, it's one thing, though, to be a 20-year-old and to be really exploring the world and to be an older person. Not you, of course. No, I and, am an older person. <laughs> and, and have, have a wealth of knowledge, of self-knowledge. Yes. The point of it is, is that when I come into the studio, it's about me. Where, where's the impetus for me? And where is the impetus for you? Uh, you know, it, it's, 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 um, when I, you know, let me say this. When, when I started working as an artist, I wanted to start talking about things I knew. I wanted to talk about women. I'm a mother. I'm a, I'm an aunt. I'm a sister. I'm, I'm, you know, all of those things. I'm a wife. But in this world, I'm also a black woman that, that I wanted to create stories about how I, how I approach work or why a certain subject resonates with me, um, whether it's racism. Uh, you're sitting in your car and you see someone walk past your, your windshield. What do you think about that person? What's the first thing that comes to your head? What in your background gives you the impetus to say anything you think about that person to yourself, not to anyone else, but to yourself. What's there? Right now, we're, we're, we're at a point in history where women are still, I believe, second-class citizens. And I know a lot of people don't agree with me there. A lot of people are dealing with these subjects. I try and take that to the work. A woman's uterus. One woman walked in and asked me why that woman's, um, the, her, her area there was so pronounced. You're talking about a sculpture that yes. we're looking at that yes. has some dimensionality over the abdomen. Yes. The... That area, to me, is a point of contention about who gets to own what. I put halos around women. I just think we're, I think we're fabulous. So... I'm, 
I, I hate to take you off the subject, but I'm about to. No, it's <laughs> of course I. I think that's really the core of your work, that subject. Um, but I, I wanted to ask you about what you bring into this work from the visual things that you see in the world. Whose artwork do you admire? Um, Basquiat. I'm just thrilled by this man's work. When you look at it, it looks juvenile. It, but there's such a sense of freedom that, that for you to be able to do that and, in such a, and to be able to do it consistently... Um, there are a lot of women whose work I, I really love, you know, and that's Betty Saar. There are too many to really mention. I can look at someone's work and just get this wonderful um, feeling, you know, and I'm inspired by it. I'm inspired by their creativity. Like this woman who does polka dots. You know, this Japanese woman? Oh, oh yeah, Yori. Okay, and, and yet her work is just amazing. Her ingenuity, the way that she centers herself with this work and that freedom of just placing all those, I, I just absolutely love it. Love it. Well, one of the reasons I asked that question was because there's a tremendous variety in the visual resources that you seem to bring into this work. I could see things from um, Hallmark cards to African totems and to me to have that incredible range of popular culture and personal culture and art history yeah well you know what it, it is it is I feel as if this medium whenever I see stained glass has always been in a format that was very traditional you know one of the things is I say to myself Celestine free your mind up you want to tell a story, find the way to tell this story with this medium that you have to cut up, you have to wrap it, you have to, you know, there's all the, <laughs> there's so much to pull from. There's so much. And as an artist, you are here to have the third eye. Can you explain <clears throat> what you mean by that? You'll see eyes in my work. I use a lot of eyes. I put a lot of big eyes in the work. You'll notice that the piece that's laying down there, she has huge, this huge eyeball. You know, when someone's, you think someone isn't watching, someone is always watching. Someone is always taking it in. They might not be sharing what they're seeing with you, but they are seeing. We're talking to Celestine Wilson Hughes. Thank you, Celestine. It was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Art Blog Radio is brought to you by theartblog.org. Thanks to our sponsors, including the Knight Foundation. Also, we want to thank Peter Crimmins, who makes us sound good. He's our editor. And thanks to Eric Biondo for his music. You can download these podcasts at theartblog.org slash radio.